Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions and the CareerPod team. This episode should provide you with valuable career information and insights. Welcome to CareerPod. Today we are speaking with Ed Featherston, who is the Director of Cloud Architecture, Cloud Business Office, with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Good afternoon, Ed, and thank you for joining us here on CareerPod. We appreciate your participation. Oh, I'm happy to do it. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Great. So let's get started, shall we? Could you tell us a little bit about your earlier life and your earlier preparation for the field and the success that you've had in the field? Sure. Um, they, I mean, we're going back quite a bit because I'm, I'm one of those people they refer to as being older than dirt. I graduated high school back in the early 70s. Like all kids back then, it was go off to college and, and do stuff. And I started out in college for the first year. I was working part-time as a music teacher in, in a group of schools back then, uh, private schools, and they offered me what sounded like a huge amount of money at the time to go full-time. It was a whole $4 an hour. And <laughs> so I dropped out of college to teach music and absolutely loved it. Unfortunately, when the economy tanked, people stopped taking music lessons, and I was mm-hmm. now out of a job. I was out of college, did lots of of varieties of things from selling encyclopedias to doing security guard work to working on shipping docks, just trying to find a way into some good positions. At the time, a a company that was very large in mass uh, called Digital Equipment Corporation Mm -hmm. was advertising for entry-level electronics technicians, and I had always been a hobbyist on it, and so I, I read up on stuff and contacted them and they said, well, you don't have a real background in it and everything. I said, yeah, but I do know this stuff if you're willing to just test me and verify it. So they had a testing program, and I went through the testing program, and they said, oh, yeah, you do know this stuff. Okay, cool. <laughs> and they hired me. Then as time progressed and everything, I got more and more into the technology and more and more into the software side of things and learning and growing within the company and building my skill sets and moved on and eventually reached a point where they had opportunities in what we call the field, which was the consulting side of the world. Mm-hmm. And it sounded interesting and exciting to me because I, I, I was always a puzzle solver. So mm-hmm. I, I made that move, and then I spent close to three decades in the consulting business with various companies after I left digital. And it was interesting watching over time as things progressed because early in my career, the lack of the degree was having an impact, especially back when you're talking 70s and 80s, you were expected to have a degree. And I constantly had to try and prove myself on that. As time progressed, that became less of an issue because I had built up my reputation and my skill set and people understood what I was capable of doing and realizing that, you know, going all the way back to the 70s for a college degree, maybe not that important a thing anymore. Right. The funny thing is, is when I left the consulting side and went to the company that I'm at right now, and all the people I interviewed with, again, it didn't become a question. But as I was going through the onboarding process with the company, the HR office had their checklist. (laughs) And one of the things on the checklist for my position was having a minimum of a bachelor's degree, which I did not. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it created 
a little bit of a bump in the road to get in there, and all the management said, no, that's ridiculous. He doesn't need it. Don't worry about it, right. um, which, which got me to where I am today. Right. But even with that, the way things are today in the technology space, the degree is becoming less and less of a requirement on mm-hmm. it because of multiple factors, one, one of them being just the fact that that there is a shortage of skilled people in the technology space right now. Right. And because technology is changing at such a rapid pace, even with the college degree, what you learned in college may already be old right. by the time you graduate. So it, it, in my positions o- over the last few decades, because I tended to always be on the hiring loops of bringing people in, I tended to look for people that were self-motivated, that were enjoyed learning and were always in a constant learning mode because, like I say, technology is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So always going out and learning new things and understanding new things and actually getting excited about it are the kinds of things I look for when I went to hire people mm-hmm. because it's like, like I say, technologies are changing all the time, and a smart person can always learn what the change is. I'm more interested in that than the person that happens to know this X technology that six months from now may not even be a, uh, uh, an important factor anymore. That's right. And that's so that's where it brought me to today. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Um, now, how would someone who is just on their own or has worked in technology be able to make themselves the best candidate in terms of what they need to show on their resume or what they need to explain that they can do on their own that makes them a really viable candidate? They've got to be able to demonstrate that they've got those basic understandings. They, they, they have to show somehow that they do know these pieces of technology mm-hmm. um, and be able to articulate that in the resumes, because sadly, unfortunately, you know, you, you still have to get that foot in the door to have the conversation right. where you can really make the difference by demonstrating that you do have those skill sets, that you do have that energy, that you have that capability of learning. So a lot of times, and, and what I've seen people do is you have multiple, multiple resumes that are structured right. specifically for certain types of positions. Yes. Where you can draw the focus on where you think your strength is for that position. Like, I mean, I go back to my early thing, what I said with digital had that technician's opening of that, you know, I put in all of the homework that I do did in hobbying in the electronics and everything to show that, you know, I do get into this stuff. I do understand it enough mm-hmm. that they were willing to talk to me and let me come in and prove it. Right. Right. Um, for a lot of the stuff in the technology spaces, while I am technically not a fan of certifications per se, because they don't necessarily tell you something, mm-hmm. because all of the different technologies, like if you're in the cloud space, you know, Amazon has certifications around their stuff. Microsoft has certifications around their stuff that don't require a college degree. You go and you take the tests and you get the certifications. Those are one of the ways you can get that foot, that thing on the resume that will get them to at least talk to you. Right, right. And then then you can show, because even the interviewers know the certification doesn't guarantee, but it does show you made that level of effort to learn those things, and that can get you that conversation that 
lets you prove even further that you know you belong there. Because like okay. I say, and and honestly, in the technology space, the resume folks tend to be looking at the certifications more than they do the college degrees, for right. the most part. There, right. there will be organizations that still have that little checkbox, but most of them, because there is a skill set shortage right now, in in a lot of these areas in technology, whether it be in the cloud space, in cybersecurity, um, in software development, that they're willing to they they want to look to see okay do, do they at least have some of the skills that we're kind of looking for because we really need to get a body in here. Right, that's right. Yes. So that's that's great. Now, could you explain the basic tasks and responsibilities of your current position? Okay, in my current role, as I've advanced over the years, is a more of a strategic big-picture role of helping Thermo Fisher define where they're going with the technology. What, what are our long-term strategies? What are we going to be looking at, and how are we going to get there? Which includes figuring out what skill sets are we going to need, what kind of people, what kind of resources are we going to need. Uh, but not looking at what do I need today is like where are we going to be in two years so that I can start planning for that and start figuring out what kind of people do I need to bring on board to get us to that position so that in two years we're successful in moving forward. Right. And, and fill us in a little bit about what Thermo Fisher does. Uh, Thermo Fisher Scientific is – it's a conglomeration of multiple companies from mergers and acquisitions, but their air, primary area of focus is developing equipment and software in the healthcare space and in the, the healthcare research space. They are ones that have built some of the COVID testing equipment that's out there now. They are ones that have built some of the equipment that Moderna used for creating their vaccine for the COVID virus. They cover the whole gamut from a healthcare space down to the small little testing kits all the way up to scanning electron microscopes that, that research scientists are using at universities to look at, you know, the DNA structures uh, uh, of our lives. Wow. Um, so they, they, it, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating company to work at because of the fact that they cover such a wide variety of stuff. It's yeah. one of the things that drew me to them because yeah. they, they just do so much. And they, their whole long-term vision, the company's vision, is about helping people, which you know just resonated with me as well. Yes, and it encompasses so many things, so that is true. So um, now what's the most satisfying and frustrating thing about your job? Um, the, the most satisfying is when I'm able to get people as excited about the stuff I'm working on as I am, because that always feels good. The, the, the most frustrating part is in the technology space, I always tell people the technology actually isn't the hard part. It's the people process and the culture. Mm -hmm. Getting people to change the way they do things. We as humans don't like change. <laughs> and, and with technology changing as quickly as it has, we have to change in order to be able to adapt and use it properly. Right. And, and so my, my biggest frustrations, I, I sometimes lovingly refer to it as herding the cats. I'm trying to get everybody in the same room at the same time yeah. to come to a consensus on what what is it that the business needs and what is it that we can do to help meet that need? Right. Now, what advice would you share with others who are considering a, co a career in this field or technology space? 
one of the things I, I, I tell folks is to, to do really well in the technology space, you have to actually enjoy it. Yeah. Be- because, and I think that's true with any field really, but in the technology space, I emphasize it to people because otherwise you can burn out really quickly and get tired of it and, and just, you know, not succeed because of that. Mm-hmm. I always, in, I, I always enjoy it. I, I, I jokingly refer to that, that ultimately I'm a puzzle solver. I like mm-hmm. solving puzzles and technology is one huge puzzle that's constantly needing new solutions <laughs> to, to figure out how to put the puzzle together. Right. Um, so it, it Having that, having that excitement and that actual interest in it, and that to me leads to the lifelong learning thing of you always want to learn new things, that you get excited about learning new things, and that, you know, like, this is neat, this is cool. But the other thing I always add to folks, is, especially when I'm interviewing uh, new, new folks, especially if they're coming in from the junior levels and everything, is is have some balance in your life, too. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't go into this uh, and start doing technology 24 by 7 yes. for the rest of your life. Yes. You know, yes. Be able to step away from it and have other things that are of interest to also keep you from burning out. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. I think that's good advice for any kind of occupation or career is that you have to have that balance. It's so important. It really yep. is. Now, could, would you be willing to share with us just a general range of compensation for someone starting out in this field? And and I guess it's to the moon right. after that. <laughs> yeah, it truly is. I mean, right now, starting out in this space, it, it, if you come in entry-level developers or as entry-level what are referred to as architects, whether it be security architects or infrastructure architects building cloud solutions and those kinds of things, coming in in those positions – Entry level is starting in the low 100s. Wow, wow. Um, for those positions, and they struggle filling some of them, which is why I say there's a shortage of technical skill sets right now. And wow. then, as you progress with experience, it continues to rise with that. One small caveat on on it is because, like I said, I spent three years in the consulting space. And I absolutely love the consulting work. And the consulting work actually tends to pay better oh. than than an in-house position because the consulting company is billing you out. That's true. So, so, and they're billing you out at significantly higher than what your salary is. <laughs> so, so if you like talking with people and working with people, because consulting isn't for everybody because it, it, it requires a lot of – um, social and communication skill sets that not everybody has. Yeah. But if you do have it and you enjoy it, then the salary ranges start going up even quicker. Yeah. But it, it, like I say, right now, entry-level positions are starting in the low 100s. Wow, that's great. Which which just boggles my mind when I say, I know. Like I say <laughs> you know, when, when I talk about that full-time music job where I was going to get four, $4 an hour and I thought I was making huge amounts of money. <laughs> okay, Ed. The last question I have for you is has luck, either good or bad luck, played a role in your career? Oh, I, I, I absolutely feel like I, I had certain points in my career where good luck is what helped things move forward for me. Starting with, with that very first application I mentioned that I made with Digital Equipment Corporation, especially back in those days, coming in and saying, I know this stuff, let me prove it, was not a way that usually got the door open for you. Um, right. And so I was lucky to have that happen. 
I was able to move with Inside of Digital into their semiconductor group and work with an amazing group of research scientists there that I learned a lot from. Another piece of luck for me inside of digital is I had started down a, a management track there and found I didn't enjoy it, and quite honestly, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and unfortunately, in most large companies, once you're on a management track, there's no getting Turning off. back, yes, yeah. But digital announced this program where they wanted to get technology people out into the field, out into the consulting side in front of customers. Mm-hmm. And that sounded interesting to me. And so I went for it and, and was able to get into it and absolutely fell in love with the consulting world and the mm-hmm. consulting work. And I never looked back after that. That to me was just sheer luck of timing that that opportunity showed up when it did. Because I don't know whether I would have made it out into the consulting field Otherwise, I hadn't thought about it until that opportunity arose. So to me, it was just a matter of luck. And then, I mean, I I have been gainfully employed since 1970s. (laughs) I consider consider that quite lucky in that that there are a lot lot of people that were not that way, but I was always able to transition uh, throughout all of that. And I attribute that to, again, emphasis to, always learning, always knowing new stuff, keeping your skill sets up so that you are always marketable should something come up and you need to make a move. That's right. And always being able to do what someone said, pivot. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Ed, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. You have provided us with an insightful look into a field in the technology space. Anyone considering a career in this field would benefit from your excellent advice. Once again, thank you so much for your contribution to CareerPod. Have a great day. You too. Thanks a lot, Carolyn.